Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Old Lady Speaks podcast on Black and White and Red All Over. I'm your host, Danny, coming to you for episode number 104. If you want to listen to this one, as well as our previous episodes, feel free to like and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform, whether it is Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. If you do listen to us on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a nice rating or review because it's summertime and we don't have much to talk about, at least for now, which... Basically, if you were a fly on the wall during our pre-show meeting, you would have found that out. So we are Sergio list this week, but we do have the other portions of the group here. So let me bring in Sam. Hello, Sam. Hello, Danny. How's it going today? It's okay. We've Slow got... news day. Yes, Slow it is. Day. We've got Chucks. Hello, Chucks. Hey, what's up? Yeah, yeah, it's summertime, you know, and it's, uh, yeah, just, I mean, it's good for people to have a break, uh, for players to have a break. I mean, they've... They have not uh, had a break. Oh, yeah, yeah, true, actually. Yeah, because yeah, no, of the, just, yeah, because of all the international football. I mean, I mean, that, you know, only just ended um, just a few, was it a week or so ago? A little less than a week ago, I think. So, um, yeah, I mean, players play a lot of games in a season. I mean, 60 plus games. So, uh, yeah. I hope they enjoy their very brief break. Yeah, it's a, it's a good thing that preseason training is starting up in about, oh, let me check my calendar here. Three weeks? Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, ne- I never thought I'd feel sorry for multimillionaires, but yeah, I slightly do. 
Well, as as it, it seems like the uh, the only real kind of news these days are, you know, we found out the Juventus will again be coming to the United States, so that would be cool. We we could have very much have a presence at one of those games, uh, which will also be cool as I try to uh, get my words out. But the only real kind of news uh, of the of the week, and obviously since uh, there are no games, we've kind of scrapped the takeaways from the week. We've got one one reported bit of news and one actual bit of news. And which one would we like to start with, fellas? The the rumors or the facts? Man, <laughs> we're in a post-truth world, so uh, <laughs> let's, uh, let's uh, start with the madness. Start with yeah. the madness? All right. Well, yeah. the madness, as uh, what is it? Our our, uh, our friend, uh, what is it? Uh, Giuseppe, who, who does some twitch stuff for juventus he says the mercato is crazy well here's here's the mercato is crazy part adrian rabio has apparently told juventus that he doesn't want to be at juventus anymore and as we were discussing pre-show 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 meeting uh who knows how much uh it has to do with another frenchman coming into the fold a a potential young italian coming back from loan or just the fact that you know maybe adrian rabio wants to experience the Premier League, which is essentially the only place he's really been rumored to go to the last, what, couple of years. Because unfortunately for us, we don't have a money bags PSG for him to fall back on because, well, he's already, I guess, exercised that option. So what do we think about Adrian Rabio uh, essentially telling Juventus that he wants out? And where do we think he might land? And what Premier League club will be flashing the cash for Juventus's all-world man-bund midfielder? The, the man bun is the all world part. That's yes. for sure. Uh, the, although, although he, he knows, I mean, one hype of the, him up, get that transfer for you. Yes. One <laughs> of the, well, I'll, I'll tell you this. One of the, you, you remember that like hyper period of form he had during the restart. That was when all of a sudden he ditched the man bun and started wearing his hair down a little more. That's right. And all of a that, sudden it was that, like, a, it, that is the uh, advanced analytics you only get on this podcast. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> it was the Samson effect where he just, he let the hair down and he started balling. It was certainly a bit of a surprise, especially because earlier on in the week, I'd been seeing uh, people tweeting and that sort of thing. I think I, I think it was a Grest, did a Gresti tweet something like this that that Rabio and and Allegri were actually uh, quite close, and that the, the expectation was that he was going to be staying. And then all of a sudden, this comes kind of comes out of left field. I, I don't necessarily think that it's a situation where with uh, that the situation has to do with Pogba because. This is another thing that we, you know, if you had been a fly on the wall on the pre-show meeting, uh, you know, they've played together effectively on the French national team. They, they played in the midfield together in two games during the Euros last summer. So I don't necessarily think it's a fit thing. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's a question of wanting a different spot, wanting a different fit. Maybe he's gotten wind of something tactically that he doesn't, that, that might be happening tactically next year that he doesn't necessarily like. Uh, the Premier League, frankly, is a little bit more of a fit for his game. You know, that kind of carry the ball, bomb forward type of game. That's that's when he's really at his best. That's what he does. You know, this could be a blessing in disguise because you've got, you know, you have those three, these three young guys coming up and coming back from loan and, you know, with Nicolò Rovella, Nicola Fagioli, Fabio Miretti. And the question is, you know, how, well, how much room will we have? And how many of them will stay and how many of them will go. And there is, you know, there, there's a lot, there's been a lot of talk for the last month 
that Fajoli is not going to be willing to sign a new contract if he doesn't have a first team guarantee, which is ballsy on his part, but I respect it. And frankly, I think that Juventus ought to give him something that guarantee because he's earned it. But, you know, you you think, you know, of the, the midfield group that comes in, you know, you've got Pogba coming in. Ramsey is out. I think we can all all agree that even what? if they don't. Yeah, I know. Right. Surprise. Even if they don't manage to terminate his contract, they'll just, you know, they'll just eat his money and not play him unless they absolutely have to. You know, but the other two, the other two assets in midfield that you would be okay with selling are Artur and Rabio. Rabio especially is just pure profit because he was a free sign. He was a free transfer. You know, it also gets like you you mentioned on on the blog uh, today, Danny. It gets a large salary off the books, and it opens up another slot for one of those three guys to come in and maybe have a chance to to play in the first team full time which is i think a really good idea because you know there's in a lot of ways the what seems like the transfer strategy this summer seems to be the opposite of what everybody in the front office has been talking about in terms of getting younger getting less expensive you've got you know a the, the Di Maria, the the connections with Koulibaly from Napoli, you know, those aren't guys that you build a project around. Those are stop gaps or a short term at the very best. And if Rabio does go, you know, he's he's talented, but he's that talent has never really meshed into success at Juve. If he were to leave and one of the and one of the three young kids you know, is given a firm spot in the side in his place. I am all for that. As for where he might go, I would not be surprised if it's Newcastle. You were talking about, you know, Moneybags PSG. Newcastle is Moneybags, is Moneybags Saudi Arabia now. And now that they've managed to, they managed to dig themselves out of a really bad relegation hole second half of the season. You know, now the Saudis in their ever persistent quest for sports washing themselves are going to be trying to, are going to be trying to, to to move that club up the table for the first time in a really long time. And a guy in the midfield like Rabio would be a good statement signing for them, I think. So that's, I, I would think that is the most likely out of all the places that, that are connected with him. You know, he's also been connected to places like Manchester United, places like Chelsea. I'm less, I think that those are less likely, but a place like Newcastle, they could plop down decent money to Juve. They could plop down his salary, you know, between Premier League money the way it is, and the Saudis just are gonna. The Saudis are probably just gonna start pumping cash into that club pretty soon. Pretty soon, I mean, I'm looking at it right now. They spent they spend essentially 100 million pounds during the January transfer window. We talk how much Juventus spent. I mean, that was mostly yeah, on one player. So they've yeah. they've already, you know, that's why they were able to get out of that relegation battle they were in the first half of the season because they spent so much and really brought in, you know, some pretty good players in January. And obviously they're not going to be looking to finish mid table with how much money they essentially have already spent and plan on spending to continue to upgrade their squad. So much for a financial fair play. (laughs) Well, as Sam said, the, the sports washing must commence. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, with Rabio, I think there's always been this nagging sense that he never quite hit his potential or his full potential at Juve. Like, I mean, he's been there now. And at PSG. And yeah, and at PSG, actually. Yeah, yeah. Which at that point, it was, I guess, forgivable-ish because he was, uh, as well, let's see, he's 27 now. So then we would have been, right, yeah, early 20s. He would have been then, yeah, 22-ish, which is then, okay, you know, you're still potential. You're still, like, a rising star. Although I feel like those time windows are keep shifting, like, as football progresses. I, in a sense that, you know, I think, I don't know, a decade ago, ago or so, we thought that, like, a 22 or 23-year-old was still a rising star yeah, and still you, you a mean like right? essentially expecting Matthias Delict at 22 to be the finished product right 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 yeah like those goalposts I guess have shifted more and more as time has gone on um, which I think is kind of I mean not helped maybe it's not exactly a fair term but has been kind of like exaggerated by you know real extreme cases like edge cases like you know Mbappe uh, uh, Holland from uh, well now Manchester City and um and someone like Vinicius Jr., you know, the ones that really like explode so early and then people think, okay, well, that should be the norm while not realizing that that's, those are the exceptions, which people make that do that a lot. Like, you know, they see an exception and then think that that should be the norm. And it's like, no, it's an exception. Um, but anyway, but yeah, with Rabio, yeah, again, it just feels like he never really hit his potential at Juve. I mean, he had flashes, of course. And I think one of the most memorable periods, I guess, was just after the lockdown ended, where he had that, you know, very strong end to the season then. And yeah, and I mean, you know, seasons before that, again, he was kind of he had flashes here and there. And... Well, that was his first season. Oh, really? Wait, was that his? Yes. Oh, yeah, it's been that long already. Yep. It's been three yeah. years, although it, yeah. it feels like about 10. Yeah, 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 yeah. Not because of Adrian Rabio. Let me just oh, say yeah, that, yeah, to, yeah. Yes, you know, for the records. So the older you get, the more like perspective of time changes very very strange um, for philosophers have written the great about Lewis that black routine about that oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's 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 a very real thing um but yeah no i mean it's just felt like it's always just been in kind of here and there flashes and you know at worst he's just been i guess average and then at best he's had you know yeah that that strong end to the season after the lockdown but again it's like okay are we going to keep him because he's 27 now, which isn't, you know, per se old. I mean, I think that's still, still technically the peak of your career. I mean, so they say that 27, 28 should be the peak of your career. But again, like I said, those, I feel like those goalposts have now shifted so much that it's kind of hard to really understand when that is, but um, theoretically anyway, he should be at the peak of his career. So, I mean, he absolutely has, you know, I mean, I'll say five, six, seven years of, football left in him so i mean he, he, i think also just looking at it from his perspective i think this would be a good time in his career to make a to make a change given his form that he's kind of i mean stagnated i guess at uva or just not never really excelled or progressed um i think this would be a good time for him to make that type of career a switch and then thinking okay i've got maybe six seven years of football left in me if i kind of reset now at a new club then I could, going into my 30s, I could kind of go on an upper trajectory, ideally, you know, like ideally go to a new club and then kind of, yeah, hit your stride again going into your 30s. So I think just timing-wise, I think it would make sense just for him on a personal level to move to a new club. And yeah, I mean, again, I 
He's uh, he's been such a divisive figure at Juve, and this is all assuming if he even leaves. I mean, nobody knows. Obviously, we're you know still very early days, but he's been obviously a very uh, divisive figure, and him and um, Ramsey have yeah they've been kind of the uh, I guess the symbols of Juve's failed transfer policy after yeah really after kind of the Marotta era ended. They just yeah they've they, those two have been you know. Big salaries, okay, free transfers, but big salaries, high hopes, and just not really ever really uh, hit their stride. Yeah, and, and they come at a position group that obviously has been. We uh, we joke from the you know the early days of the block. You know, we had kind of the the black hole of death with you know the Felipe Melo and the the Momo Soko <laughs> combo. But yeah. I mean, Ram, Ramsey and Rabio were really looked at as potential fixes for Juventus's midfield woes from the last couple of years before that. And well, they, <laughs> they didn't happen. I think a lot of the, the angst over Rabio does come from that big contract. You know, if he was making four or 5 million a year and performing the way he is performing, I don't oh, necessarily know I don't necessarily know that there would be, as much of a backlash against him as there is right now. Absolutely. I mean, we've, we've talked about it before. It's the, the salary kind of sets the expectation. I mean, you know, yeah. I mentioned him a couple of minutes ago, you look at Delict, obviously his salary and transfer fee set the bar so high to begin with that, you know, even if he performs a little bit below that, it's like, Oh, you know, what, what's up with Delict? Has he really been worth all of that money? Well, you know, for Rabio is obviously being one of the highest paid players. And from the beginning, we're like, well, does he really deserve to be it? But we also knew that it came with the caveat of, well, to get him to sign with Juventus, they had to pay him that much money to begin with. So it's a little, yeah, that's little, the same, little of both. It's the same thing that's going on now with Di Maria, where, you know, is, is Angel Di Maria really worth a $7 million annual salary at, seven million euro annual salary at this point in his career yeah no 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 he doesn't not at his age and he is very much not you you know you mentioned stopgap he's you know we we sometimes throw around terms from other sports here but he's very much a rent a player kind of move he is only going to oh, be yeah. here for what two years at most so it's yeah. kind of like, you know, is Angel Di Maria at 34, and I know this is a discussion about Rabio, and we suddenly talked about Angel Di Maria, but at 34, making that much money for somebody who's not going to be around here come what, at the latest, 2024? Is it is it worth it to really just plug that hole for a year or two and see what Andrew, happens? There is no there is no guarantee that once the World Cup ends, he won't just check out. You're talking about Di Maria. It's like, you know, he wants yes. Di Maria. Yeah. Okay, yeah. He wants to be, you know, sharp for the World Cup for Argentina. But, you know, who's to say that once the World Cup is is over, he's just like, all right, that's that job done. Now I can just wait out and go back to Argentina for a year or two to to end to wind things down. Yeah, it's the same thing with Gareth I, Bill, like yeah. how he's looking for a club now, you know, and it's like literally just for the World Cup. <laughs> yeah, and I'm trying to do the math, Matt. So the the Serie, and I, you mentioned it in our in our Slack channel a few weeks ago, Sam. When the, the Serie A season starts, what middle of August? Yeah, it's a couple weeks so earlier than usual. Basically, that would be Di uh, Maria no, the, the, uh, for three months the fix, before the, the World Cup. Are coming out this week. The fixtures are coming out this week. I think. Hey, we'll have that's something to talk about next week. 
Yeah, yes. that's, that, that's what I was saying. That's what I was saying in the Slack channel was that the fixtures were coming out this week. So middle of August, and then what? So three, essentially three months of Di Maria before everybody yeah. goes off to the World Cup, other yeah, than Italy. So <laughs> and one and one. Ah, uh, uh, yes, yes. So basically, that would be just trying to do the the mental math in my head. That's probably going to be about a third of the games. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Three months. Yeah. Roughly. Cause, yeah. Because knowing how kind of wacky the schedule is going to be when they come back. So yeah, I don't know that. <laughs> that's very much a case of maybe a one year contract <laughs> ain't the worst yeah. thing in the world. Because I, I mean, who knows? I mean, you know, I, I don't, I don't know if Angel Di Maria, and you know, this is me pleading ignorance when it comes to following PSG and his previous stops, but I don't know if he's really been a, a concern character-wise along the way. I mean, he seemed very beloved when he left PSG, so. Yeah, I've, I've never heard anything. I've, I've never heard anything about him being a yeah. locker room problem. But uh, anything else on Rabio before we move on to actual things that have happened? Just talking about, you know, you know what you had said about the, about players, you know, and, and, and development curves and, and, you know, each individual guy, you know, isn't necessarily going to explode at 18 like Mbappe, uh, as opposed to, you know, players who develop a little bit later. And, and again, Rabio leaving right now is just such a, it seems so inextricably linked to these three young mids that we've got going, that we've got coming, coming back around. And, and it just goes to show you that, you know, in Italy, that is such a huge part of the way talent is evaluated. If they don't think you have it within like a three or four game span as a young player, then you are deemed not ready and you are loaned out to kingdom come. And then your career never really gets going. And that kind of sort of is, is the way that now, now with Ravio leaving, you've got these three young guys coming in. And the question becomes, are we going to see them be allowed to develop in the spots that they might be looking to come into? Or are we just going to watch them get shuffled off again? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's Italy just to that point. And um, I'll add one more thing. Um, Yeah, I guess Italy is just a very, or at least Italian football. So yeah, it's just a bizarrely risk averse Yeah, footballing culture, I guess, or footballing environment. Um, I have no idea why. I don't know Italians themselves or Italian culture well enough to really understand why. But um, yeah, it's very strange. It's yeah, it's I mean, it's counterproductive in the long run. I mean, you know, it's kind of like I was saying about Allegri, I think uh, either last week or maybe the week before, um, just about how chronically risk averse he was, especially this season. And, you know, with the whole uh, I mean, the first leg against the uh, Villarreal was really the main example of that, you know, scoring in the first 32 seconds and then, you know, just going all the way back and really being so risk averse, so non-proactive that eventually that ends up hurting you more in the long run because you're just spending all that time like fighting and holding on so much. Yeah, I mean, I think it's the same thing with just Italian clubs and their approach to use how they use youngsters, you know, not wanting to go with more of a a certain prospects so, on, you know, slightly older guy that has maybe a little more experience, but, you know, in the long run, it means that you're not going to be developing talent that's able to give you, yeah, able to take you to the next level, able to create something special for you, you know, 
and it just contrasts so much with clubs like Benfica and Porto and Sporting in, in Portugal. Um, you know, I mean, and even Ajax in uh, in in uh, the Netherlands. Um, I mean, they just keep selling like every I mean, every two years. Basically, they're selling like you know a twenty two year old for uh, ninety million euros who just you know broke all kinds of records and you know left, right, and center. And it's just yeah, it's it's in some clubs it's ingrained in their culture and in others it's just it's an anomaly almost and i mean it takes a lot to change that kind of that kind of ingrained culture and ingrained ways of thinking but um and yeah just one more note on the rabio thing i, I mean i also kind of so you know, i said why i understand from his personal perspective just why he would want to leave uh now in terms of this time in his career but then also, as you alluded to, Sam, I mean, it's our midfield is really quite bloated right now. The central midfield anyway. Um, you know, you got Locatelli, McKinney, and at the moment anyway, Fagioli and Mietti. And, uh, ooh, I'm missing one. Fagioli, Mietti. Oh, well, no, maybe not. Ravella. Yeah. Ravella, yeah. That was, I, knew, that was, I knew I was missing one of the youngsters. Yeah, you know, you have them. And then, of course, Artur is still here. I mean, will he be here? Start of next season? Uh, nobody really knows. Yeah, we have... Quite a lot of central midfielders, which I mean isn't necessarily a bad thing, but you know, it just means that um again to your point of like Fajoli wanting to stay in and being guaranteed minutes, I mean it's it's a lot of spots here or a lot of people you're competing with here. And it's it yeah, I mean it's again you're competing with people going back to the whole salary thing and just the whole experience thing. You're you're competing with people who are on six, seven, eight million euros a year, you know. And obviously if they're not playing, then it's gonna be obviously complaints from the players and Complaints from fans being like, oh, we're paying eight million, six, seven, eight million euros a year for uh, a guy to sit on the bench, you know, how, however percentage of the season. So, I mean, it's, it's, always a, it's a, it's a no win situation often, but the, the focus, I don't know. I, th- I don't think the focus should be on being perfect. I guess just from a very philosophical perspective, um, it's really just on finding your best or the least bad solution, which, uh, I mean, in terms of a central midfield, I think it would be a combination of experience and, and youth. I mean, you need to take a risk somewhere. You need to take a gamble on a Fagioli or a, a Rovella or a um, Mietti. Maybe it's a little too much to chug them all on at the, same, at the same time, but there has to be some kind of risk somewhere there. But I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a tough problem. Are we going to have to sell multiple central midfielders to make space for the youngsters? Maybe. I, I don't know. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Well, I feel safe in saying they're going to have to sell multiple center midfielders anyways, regardless of yeah of the youngsters, because as we know, there is one one guy who is, although not confirmed, it is basically 
from what we've heard, it's a done deal. And that is Paul Pogba, who we actually have a, a few Twitter questions about. None of them about the Pogmentary, so we can save those for Sergio next week when he returns. But we'll transition here a little bit to talk about a move that has actually happened, and that is one that maybe came as a surprise knowing how the reporting went throughout the week, and that is uh, Atalanta actually taking up the option to buy on Mary Demerol just when it looked like they won't. So to steal a line from Don Corleone, once we thought Mary was out, they pulled him back in. And I think to reference our pre-show, pre-show, pre-show meeting again, you know, it, it was a case of uh, Demerol going to Atlanta, Atlanta because he very much wanted starters minutes. And yeah, we, oh, we can say that uh, Leonardo Benucci is 35 and not exactly coming off a great season where he wasn't exactly healthy, but Juventus is two starting center backs, at least right now. And I feel safe in thinking that Juventus won't be spending 40 million on a 31 year old center back from Napoli, who is very much entrenched at Napoli. But who knows? They also signed Gonzalo Higuain for 90 something million. So there is also that. But Demerol leaves. Uh, I believe it was a, a 20, if I'm remembering the financial terms that Juventus announced earlier in the day today on Sunday, 20 million option to buy picked up and then the the interesting part and this is very much something that juventus didn't have in the christian romero deal which would have been nice knowing how much atalanta flipped him for is that there is a a 10 basically juventus will get 10 percent of wherever demerol is sold to next which knowing atalanta is not in european football next year will become <laughs> very very helpful for them to potentially get some funds so i know we had talked about demerol potentially coming back to Juventus this summer after it looked like Atalanta wasn't going to come come in and, and get his buy option. But as is the case with Romero, here's another young center back that Juventus didn't necessarily give a whole lot of opportunity to, although obviously more than Romero. And a couple of years after he was bought in the same summer as Delict and Romero, Mary Demerol is heading to a, a club in Bergamo and potentially heading to heading to the Premier League after that. Yeah, it's like we said, you know, in the pre, yeah, pre, pre, pre uh, show. I personally don't fault Demiel for wanting wanting to go to uh, wanting to return or stay at Atalanta. I guess technically, you know, if indeed, as he said, that he wanted um, starter minutes at Juve, and I mean, it doesn't look like he would have gotten starter minutes at Juve um, in terms of being like the top two center back. In top two in the center back rotation, clearly that's the Licht and Bonucci. He, you know, again, as we talked about earlier, he would likely have gotten more minutes. I think, yeah, I think it's pretty certain to say that he would have gotten way more minutes this coming season than he did uh, the season before last. Like, I mean, I think, again, he would have been third in the rotation. Bonucci is obviously not going to, you know, manage uh, full every, uh, every game. So, yeah, he would have gotten a significant number of minutes, but he still wouldn't have been a starter starter. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't fault him for that. Atalanta seemed, you know, he seems to have had a pretty good time there. So seems to have liked uh, just the team. Obviously, the team had uh, not a great season, but, you know, still, still their team with, I mean, always, you can never really count them out to come up with some kind of, you know, exciting youngsters to uh, to bring, uh, bring the team back up the table. So, yeah, I mean, that leaves us again with, um, well, Bonucci de Ligt. Uh, Hugani, and then kind of, yeah, maybe Gatti as a fourth choice. How much, again, going back to the whole youngsters thing, how much faith are we going to put in, you know, up and coming youngsters like that? 
Um, I don't know, but again, the, the 10% sell on clause, I guess, or sell or the profit clause or whatever uh, it's called, seems like uh, we finally learned from our financial mistakes. So that's good to know, at least. Um, very uh, optimistic there to know that. But I mean, it doesn't, it seems like that Atalanta are actually keen on using him only because, I mean, I don't think there's been the type of interest in Demiard that there was in Romero. I mean, Romero really, people knew like, wow, he's a really standout, standout defender. And I think people consider Demiard good defender. I think he's still overall a pretty good defender. And honestly, I think a team of Atalanta's um, quality is probably best suited for him. I don't think he's like a top, top, like, you know, Juve, Milan, Inter defender, but I mean, I, he's definitely not a poor defender. I think a team in the top five, top six, you know, of, uh, of I mean, Atalanta in its seventh, but, um, you know, kind of a team in, in that kind of Europa League um, area, I think is, you know, fair for him. So, um, yeah, I think this is a pretty logical move for really for everyone involved. Yeah, I, I do find it, it's a little bit upsetting just that, you know, like I said, in, in, you know, before we hit record, it would have been nice to have him as your primary depth option off the bench. Cause you know, right now, you know, right now, if either Delict or Bonucci can't go, you're looking at a situation where it's either Daniele Rugani or Federico Gatti. You know, Rugani is what he is at this point in his career, and Gatti, we really don't know what he is at the high at the at the highest level yet. And so, you know, to have a guy you know that has the experience of Demiral, you know, he's played in major games. He's had a bunch of Champions League games. He he did grow by leaps and bounds. I think this year. As an Atalanta player, you know, there was a time when he was kind of sort of keeping Matthijs Delict out of the team. I mean, Delict was also had that uh, had that shoulder injury that was also playing a large part in why Demiral got so many minutes in front of him before uh, before Demiral got uh, got injured. But, you know, it would have been nice, obviously, because Atalanta had the option. There was no choice in the matter. If Atalanta decided to go with it, it was um, and I think that I, I really think the only reason Atalanta wouldn't have gone with it was a was purely financial because clearly he played well enough for them to for them to want for them to have wanted it. Uh, but now that they're outside looking in on on the major European leagues, that that became a bit of a difficult proposition for them. I think that I think that one of the reasons that they activated the option is they must have somebody waiting. But uh, we'll see where he goes. Obviously, the sell-on clause is a good is a good idea. It's a, it's something that, uh, and we haven't really had, we, we haven't had a lot of success selling players ever since really, really ever since Beth Morata left the team, I feel like we just haven't had that, you know, the front office hasn't had a good track record selling guys. And you mean, I mean, you look at a guy uh, at Marotta who made some really good sale moves and also, I'll never forget. He goes. He, he went to Inter, and the very first piece of business he did to, at Inter was to sell was to sell Mauro Icardi to PSG, and he had no leverage there because it was so clear that everyone wanted Icardi out, and he sold Icardi to PSG on a loan with like a seventy million euro option to buy that PSG then took up. He was really good at that, and that's a skill. And none of his his successors so far have really had the same ability to sell. It is what it is at this point. It's unfortunate because I think Demerol is good 
and and I think could have fit into a into a Juve team in some ways, but that's how things are going to work. And it, it remains to be seen what's going to happen with the center back depth chart because I don't think four guys is enough unless you're counting Danilo as as an option there, in which case you don't have enough fullbacks either. And like you said, Danny, I don't see certain Napoli players coming to Juventus. I don't think Aurelio De Laurentiis is going to want to see another Gonzalo Higuain situation. And uh, a lot of things that I've read about that particular potential transfer say that neither does Koulibaly. I think he he does not want that kind of consternation uh, if he is to leave Napoli this year. I mean, there's a lot of... It wouldn't surprise me if he did leave Napoli because Napoli or Aurelio De Laurentiis is in one of those modes where he's he's slicing and dicing his uh, his wage bill. And Koulibaly's contract does run out at the end uh, after next season, but I do not think he'd come. He would end up at Juventus. I don't think that that is a fe- that that is feasible. And again, it's what would he even have for Juventus? He'd maybe have maybe two three years as, as at a high level, and then you'd be looking for another guy all over again. So I yeah I, I don't think that that that's much of an option. But I very much am interested in what they are thinking about doing for, you know, a fifth body at that position, because I think you really do need one with Bonucci as old as he is. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I go back and forth between having four four and five defenders. I mean, in general, I always like to have just one backup for each position. So which would mean if we're if we're going for a two man center back uh, pairing, which I suppose is likely, but then, you know, we would need only four uh, center backs. But yeah, I think the problem with having five is like now you have to keep three players happy on the bench or you have to figure out a way to like keep basically three players happy for the entire season by, you know, being on the bench. Of course, Malunci's older and probably he's going to run into injury issues, but I don't know. Yeah, I was very concerned about that with Chiellini, obviously, with just his injury record. Uh, Malunci is obviously not immune to injuries, but I think he's has less injury issues than someone like Tiolini did. So, um, yeah, it's just hard. Like I said, my main concern is just keeping three players happy being on the bench is, yeah, difficult. We've already had one player now that, you know, they all basically saying, you know, I don't want to go back because I want starter minutes. So, um, yeah, if you have too many players like that, then I think that also makes them a little disgruntled and just hard to keep that, like, get a morale um, up. I think for me, it, it comes down to the fact that these guys have played so much football over the last couple of years mm-hmm. that maybe at this point, and especially knowing that the World Cup and, yeah, Leonardo Bonucci is not going to be part of the World Cup, unfortunately, <laughs> because Italy did not qualify. Grumble, 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 grumble. But having maybe one more depth option. And I was thinking this as we were talking about the midfield and the, the youngsters, you know, who sticks around and who might not having one more depth option, especially this season, knowing the uniqueness of it. And this is coming off a couple of seasons where, you know, the, the schedules have been anything but ordinary, you know, having one more body might not be the worst thing in the world. Yeah. That means maybe trying to keep one or two or three more guys happy, but you know, having, a fifth center back when, you know, maybe last season it was essentially four guys because Giorgio Chiellini was, you know, he was what he was at that point. 
uh, injury wise and fitness wise. But you know, maybe having a six midfielder wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Having a, a fifth center back or you know an extra fullback, a la you know Sergio's favorite Matteo De Ciglio, who can bounce between left and right. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it it's it's not the worst thing because you know as as we found out, injuries are going to happen. And the last thing I'm guessing Max Allegri wants to see is a repeat of last season where he could field almost as many injured players in a starting 11 as he could first teamers who are healthy. So I don't know it, it, you know, the more honestly knowing that 22, 23 is going to be just absolutely out of kind of anybody's expectations in terms of how much workload these guys are going to have. And remember, you know, the guys who aren't going to the world cup, they're not going to be playing for a month. So who knows how their fitness is going to be those, those first few, (laughs) first few weeks coming back. But yeah, I don't know. I I tend to, especially now knowing, like I said, knowing what the last few years have been, I tend to kind of side more on caution and safety rather than, okay, you know, we need kind of the usual, you know, four or five guys for center defense, you know, a backup fullback on each, you know, left and right, five midfielders, you know, a backup to Vlaovic, a black backup on each wing, and then, you're, you know, your squad is done. I think because of all of these minutes that they've had, I mean, we look at Italy, you know, they're not playing in the World Cup yet. How many games did they just play? Four or five within the span of less than two weeks? So, yeah, it's just, it. I think depth is going to become even more important this season than the years prior, just because these guys, I mean, I don't know how the hell they're still playing. They must be just, they must get to their summer vacation spots and just be absolutely exhausted. And then have to get back to business in that. Exactly. <laughs> like we joked at the beginning of the show, you, you, you play all these games throughout the season and then, Oh yeah. By the way, you've got f- five nations league games to play here before you can go on go on vacation. Oh yeah, by the way, Juventus reports back for preseason training the first week of July. Great. <laughs> Hope you enjoy your 17 days of vacation. That's yeah. gotten to the point where that 18-year-old kid on on the Italian that's kind of break, broke out for the Italian national team over the course of this break, uh, Noto, his club refused to release him for the under-19 Euros. Yeah. Because he'd just be going from one team to another, and and same with Atalanta and that uh, that eighteen that eighteen year old center back that they have, Scavini. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's uh, it's kind of put a bow on it. Um, I think it's really just down to it's down to the fact that people or that UEFA, FIFA, etc., all the you know governing bodies are just trying to churn out more and more football and trying to create more and more games for people to watch because of revenue, right? Like we're just chasing revenue so hard. And I mean, the only way in football, I mean, you're kind of limited, you know, in, in ways you can generate revenue. I mean, in the business you can create new products and services in the football. I mean, you know, it's basically the games. I mean, that's really the value driver in this business. So, I mean, besides making goofy merchandise and, and, you know, negotiating bigger TV deals. I mean, really the only thing you can do is generate more and more games. So that's what they're just trying to do. Chug more and more and more games into a fixed period of time, which means that yeah, your players are going to burn out, you know? And then, and I mean, even I've, I mean, I felt it as 
as a fan of football, as a viewer of the game, um, I feel like there's just just too much football um, in general. I think there are too many games to watch, too many competitions, and it's all chugged into too little time. Yeah, yeah I I think it's kind of overkill at this point. But again, it's it's revenue. It's it's just uh, salaries are increasing, so you have to find ways to increase revenue, which means pushing players more and more to the limit. Um, I think there will be eventually kind of a breaking point, but I hope I hope it doesn't become serious. And you know, reminds me of you know in March, Tibor Courtois and in the Belgian goalkeeper uh, when Italy and Belgium had to play each other in a Nations League third place game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. Yeah, he was pissed. Was yeah. just, he was pissed. He was just like, what the hell? What the hell is this game? What the hell is this game doing for? Except for being a game that they can put on television for revenue. Yeah, I think there were a few guys from uh you go the german national team who spoke out it's like we're playing three days three games and like a less than a week and a half at the yeah. end of a season in which we just played x amount of games so yeah it's like like chuck said you know it, sometimes you just need a break and i was definitely <laughs> i was feeling that yeah, it's yeah. like italy in these nations league games no nah, i'm <laughs> yeah. you guys go ahead and play them i'm not i'm I've got more important things to worry about. And there'll about. be more of them once the new Champions League format kicks in. Oh, this, what is it? The the Swiss model. Yeah. Right. yeah. Andrea Agnelli's Swiss model, correct? Uh, I, so. what, what that, was that Agnelli's model before I he... Know, I can't remember. Who knows? I'm, I'm not sure. Yeah. Between Andrea and the, uh, the UEFA folks last few years, yeah. so hard to remember. But uh, we will uh, wrap things up here with a couple of twitter questions and as i alluded to they are both about a certain paul pogba so the first one here from at amit champanieri one if we had a choice would we put our money further in midfield or in midfield after paul pogba's signing or do we start to focus on the defense i.e a fullback or two or a center half as the star names the rest of their mercato I would spread it around to the other position groups personally, uh, because there this team does need a lot in a lot of different areas. And I know I've been talking about Rovella and Fajoli and Minetti ad nauseum this week, but you've got these, you've got guys like that coming up. Use them. Best case scenario, they all come good. They all end up really awesome. And you've got a cheap homegrown midfield that you didn't have to, that you barely paid a dime for. You paid, what, 18 million for Rovella and the other two you brought out of your academy. That's insane. That's, you know, that would be insane. Uh, and it would let you spend, you know, spend a lot of money in other position groups for things that you do need. Cause, you know, we're going to need, a couple of wingers. We're going to need a backup for Vlavic. We definitely need fullbacks, as as the question mentioned. So yeah, I, I think it's time to let the kids pl- to let the kids play there. Nothing else in midfield, and and let's see. You know, let's use the money, spread it elsewhere around whatever money we have for this transfer, uh, for this transfer window. Well, I think at this point again, it kind of goes back to what I said about just how many players you want in one position. I mean, at this point, I think we're going to have to get rid of players before we, you know, buy any new ones. Because, I mean, look at fullback position. You know, you have Cuadrado and Danilo on the right, right? and then Decilio and um, Sandro and Pellegrini on the left. So that's like, you know, 
five fullbacks already for two positions. So, I mean, we would probably have to get rid of one person at the very least. Um, Alexandro was rumored to be leaving, but I don't know. I haven't really heard anything about, uh, about that lately. So, yeah, I think you would have to sell at least one player there. Uh, in terms of center back, probably, I mean, you could just, yeah. Again, with Demiral not coming back, I mean, we have Rugani, De Ligt, Bonucci, yeah, and Gatti, I guess. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you could probably bring in a center back pretty easily uh, without rocking the boat too much. But yeah, in fullback, I feel like, yeah, you would have to sell at least one person, uh, which is not going to be the Chilio, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> Knock that one out. <laughs> but, and then, yeah, and sent in midfield. Yeah, again, in midfield, like we said, you know, it's kind of bloated right now. So you'll probably have to sell, I mean, well, Rabio, perhaps, I guess. Um, and, well, Artur, question mark. And yeah, in terms of need, I mean, I would say Regista and I mean, kind of a, yeah, I mean, I guess Regista. I mean, we got uh, Zakaria now, who's, I was going to say like a kind of a destroyer, kind of like an Ungolo uh, Conte to have there. But I guess Zakaria kind of is that player. So yeah, I guess a Regista, which would probably dictate to sell, yeah, Artur. I mean, without sell Artur, which I mean, I don't know if he stays, bah, I don't know. Again, I'm also split on him, but um, I think, yeah, we'd have to get rid of one player, one central midfielder, and one fullback at, at the very least. You're, you're split on him, and I'm very much happy to split with him. Ah, you're waiting for that, weren't you? Lurking in the shadows, waiting to strike like a thief in the night. That's right. All righty here. Last question from at Miguel Arod 96 what are the best and worst case scenarios for Paul Pogba's play this upcoming year? For me, world domination and <laughs> not world domination. Over to you guys. Oh, man. <laughs> what are we going to do tonight? Same I mean, thing we do every night, Pinky. Try to take over the world. Um, right. I mean, him, him staying healthy has to be yeah, yeah, no, one yeah, of the best case good. scenarios, right? That yeah. that's the thing. The, like the worst case scenario is a lot easier to envision. It is a lot of, it's a lot easier to envision what that is than the best case scenario. The worst case scenario is he has a season like the one he just had, where he missed like almost half the games, and you know had a couple of long stretches where he was unavailable, because that's just you know money down the drain, and and you know not a high level player with a high level salary not contributing at all best case scenario he reinvigorates the ability of the midfield to create chances i'm not so much looking for the go for the goals from himself those are nice bonuses but this midfield can't create and that has been such an enormous problem for such a long time best case scenario for pogba is that he re, he reignites the the midfield's ability to create chances for guys like Blaovic, for guys like Chiesa to turn into goals. You know, if if that happens, if he plays the majority of the season, and the midfield starts churning out real creativity again with him in there, that that to me is the best case scenario. Yeah, that's perfectly said. I mean. I the ability of the midfield to create chance. I think that's spot on, um, especially with Dybala leaving and that kind of chance creation slash creativity leaving with him. Uh, yeah, I think that's 
spot on that that's the biggest desire slash need uh there yeah indeed just like you said uh sam just hopefully not missing too many games through injury and and then that chance creation thing and and hopefully just kind of being the the pogba of like the france you know the france pogba of uh specifically of the uh 2018 world cup um, rather than the, you know, Manchester United, um, Paul Pogba, and also just being kind of like happy to play football again. I mean, again, I mentioned this last week or anyway, two weeks, three weeks before, they just seemed generally pretty miserable at United. And it just seemed like a very, I mean, obviously United is just a very complicated place to be right now as a player. So I think he bore a lot of the brunt of that just with his transfer fee and his wages and just with just the whole fanfare that comes with him. Yeah, he didn't seem to really be enjoying it, especially during the last, you know, year or two. Um, I mean, especially the last season, but and even the year before that. So, uh, yeah, hopefully just for him to just be happy again. Oh, look at me wishing happiness upon millionaires. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, just to be, just to kind of enjoy his football again and just be more comfortable knowing that he's in an environment that, yeah, really brought the best out of him, actually. So, yeah. Yeah, I think France Pogba is definitely the key to Juventus's midfield taking that step forward that they desperately need because if it's United Pogba from the last couple of years, not, you know, taking the injury stuff aside, but just kind of, you know, how much, you know, his form was just kind of off and on and obviously injuries played a role, but yeah, just, you know, him playing kind of with that joy and everything that we saw the first time around when he was with Juventus. Cause I mean, he, he very much seems like a player who, and I mean, a lot of people are probably this way as well, but he he definitely seems to feed kind of off those good moments, those happy moments. And, yeah, he, you know, he, he he very much, you know, obviously the the pogmentary is one that oh, is not going to necessarily paint him in a, in a bad light. But I mean, he definitely spoke to that fact in the in the documentary where it's like, look, you know, you know, the still line from Sergio, the, the vibes when the vibes are good, you know, that's that's when he's he's at his best. And obviously, like you said, Chucks, you know, Manchester United has been such a dumpster fire the last couple of years. It just it it was it was probably hard for anybody to, who is you know with Pogba's personality to really thrive in that atmosphere. Yeah, it's kind of like uh, Rabio, I guess, his form. Like you know, both the, both of them were kind of hot, hot and cold with their form, and I guess never really felt with with both players at their respective clubs. I guess it never really. Uh, I really felt like they hit their potential consistently at both clubs. So yeah, to bring it full circle. Interesting. Interesting that they're when they are playing with the national team, they both do seem to take a step, a step up. And the common denominator there is Didier Deschamps. Yeah. I mean, that goes to show you that that he is a he's the kind of a coach that can really get the best out of his guys. And that this this may or may not be a plea for for Didier to, to come back home uh in in the in the not too distant future, but uh, yeah, he he that just goes to show how good a coach that that Deschamps is, especially a, a man management coach. Because you look at some of the names in that France squad, and who boy, there are some big names to to oh, try yeah. and keep happy. Well, yeah, it's uh, we forget it's it, the players are human beings too. So you know their egos, they're I don't know, they get moody, they get temperament temperamental, and. Yeah, you got to manage all that. You got to manage people. Yep, exactly. 
And I, I think uh, to make one more pogmentary reference before we go here, Mino Raiola, you know, the late Mino Raiola definitely told Pogba that, you know, he wants to see him. I think it was when they were trying to negotiate a new contract for Pogba. And we, we need to see more of the France Pogba, more of the Juventus Pogba, rather than the kind of disgruntled player that uh, had been at United the last, his last couple of years there. So hopefully, uh, hopefully, Paul will come back with a, a big smile on his face and feel the love and things will, will start out well. And he, he's definitely been hanging out with at least one current Juventus player. Uh, all, unfortunately, one also one soon to be former Juventus player during his vacation to Miami this summer. So that, that should be fun. He should be well rested. So that's, that that's always it. good. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, on that note, speaking of Paul Pogba's vacations, uh, we will wrap things up here. Mm-hmm. Thank you all for the Twitter questions. We always appreciate them. If you want to send them to us, feel free to do so. At Juventus Nation is where you send them over to. If you want to follow us there, as well as on Facebook, search black and white and red all over. Same search term for your favorite podcasting platform, whether it is Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. If you want to listen to us, on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Feel free to also leave us a rating and a review, and that would make us happy as we slog here through the waiting game of Angel Di Maria, potentially letting Juventus know, not this weekend, maybe next weekend, or maybe the weekend after that. Who the heck knows at this point? So, for Sam, for Chucks, for World Traveler Sergio, who, the reason why Sergio is out this week is not because the Boston Celtics lost to my Warriors in the NBA Finals. Let me just say that for the record. Yeah, I was I was waiting for I was you know he he just doesn't want to face that down, does he? That's that's right, that's right, that's right. And for producer Couch, this is Danny saying thank you very much for listening, and we'll talk to you guys next week.